0: Ultimate Guide Podcast, episode 46. Hi, I'm the Boomer Gal, Kaylin Amadio, your host and creator of the Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast, and I have a new guest for you to meet this week. Please welcome Dr. Stephen Sideroff. He is an author of a book titled The Path. Mastering the Nine Pillars of Resilience and Success, and he is an internationally recognized expert in resilience, optimal performance, addiction, neurofeedback, and alternative approaches to stress and mental health. He is assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences at UCLA's School of Medicine, as well as the director of the Raoul Wallenberg Institute of Ethics. Did I get all that right, Dr. Stephen?
1: Yes, you did. Yes, you <laughs> did. Thank you.
0: And thank you for coming to Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast. It's nice to meet you.
1: It's good to meet you as well. Thank you.
0: So you are I know you're familiar. We were talking before uh, we started recording this particular episode. Dr. Stephen is uh, definitely familiar with the podcast. Uh, so you know what questions I'm going to ask you. My first question is always, you know, give me the brief history of you. How did you come to be doing what it is you're doing working in this field?
1: Well, interestingly enough, I began my uh, career doing brain research, and I was Mm -hmm. looking at brain mechanisms of learning and memory. But I quickly realized that I was really more interested in working within the individuals and not animals in a research setting. And so I switched into a more clinical uh, approach and clinical practice and have a clinical practice in Santa Monica. As I began doing my clinical practice, I realized that stress was one of the most important factors that I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. Because no matter what else was going on in a person's life, if they were having difficulties dealing with stress it made every other thing that was going on worse. It was a modulator of everything else going on in our, uh, in our lives. So I quickly focused in on helping people deal with stress. My next interesting observation was that as important as stress is in all of our lives, most people have great resistance to dealing with stress. Okay. and this was the next important factor that I discovered and as a result I shifted my the f- focus of my work from stress to resilience because people are more apt to in- engage with resi- we, w- without resistance to being resilient I think of the 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 joke of the the patient that goes to the physician because he has stress-related problems, and the doctor says, well, uh, uh, Mr. Smith, you have to re- get more exercise, you have to get more sleep, you have to cut down on your alcohol, and, and goes on and on, all the things that this person must do, and he walks out of the doctor's office and says, I've got to get a new doctor, because <laughs> because, <laughs> because he doesn't like the answers that the doctor is giving him, and so I wanted to create an approach in my work that people will embrace and so I've developed my nine component model of resilience and then I also wanted to deal with the fact that for many people dealing with stress, being more resilient is overwhelming Mm -hmm. because of what I just said, all the different things that we feel we must do in order to become resilient and that's where I the notion of the path. The idea of the path is that no matter where you're at in your life, you can do one simple thing at a time that puts you on the path. And once you're on the path, you know there's nothing more you can do in this moment. And that's very reassuring to many people because a lot of people I work with, even though they're doing a lot of to help themselves, they're always worrying about the things that they're not doing and should be doing better. Right. So the path is is sort of reassuring to them that they're doing all, all that to be doing.
0: Right. You know, when you were talking about stress, I was I was sort of having a, a visualization of, you know, this weight, you know, that's you can bear it for a certain period of time carrying it on your shoulders, right? But eventually it really starts to get too heavy and yet we walk around with with that sitting there for such a long period of time uh way too long in most cases that's right that's right um, and I
1: I I do a lot of work with physicians who refer people to me who are suffering physical symptoms that are the result of not being able to handle stress very well Right.
0: right So I assume uh, you work with the over 50 crowd from time to time. That's that's the focus of this podcast, the boomers. And, you know, I'm not going to hold it against you if you want to admit or not, whether you too are a baby boomer. Um, So do you find working with older citizens, not that I'm, you know, now that I'm over 50, I know that 50 is not old. But, you know, in the media, when they talk, uh, I've had I've had people refer to me as a senior. And I think, I'm not a senior. That's my parents. I'm not a senior. What are you talking about? <laughs> but it, that's another topic altogether.
1: Do you, <laughs> right. do you find
0: working with them different in any way in terms of this subject matter?
1: Well, uh, first of all, yes, I am uh, a baby boomer. And uh, it's interesting growing up as a being in this baby boomer um, cohort, so to speak, because on the one hand, there's, there's the, it's nice to know that there's so many people that belong to this group that I'm a part of, mm-hmm. so there is the positive of that, but on the negative side, uh, it's a very, very competitive group. And it had to be a very, very competitive group because, and just from my own experience, when I was entering college, all of a sudden, there were so many more people trying to apply for, for the same number of positions in right. the colleges. Right. And then in graduate school, there was the same problem. And then once I stepped into the academic world and into the um, career world, it was the same thing. There were so many more people vying for the same number of of positions. Mm -hmm. So I think it really engendered a very competitive nature to this group. So that's the one thing. Secondly, as we enter into this stage of our lives in our 50s and 60s, stress is cumulative. The effects of stress are cumulative. And so this group, more than the younger people, groups are feeling more of the effects of stress and for them it's even more important for them to be resilient
0: I Didn't realize that uh, stress is cumulative that that's is, correct yeah that's Hans, interesting
1: yeah Hans Selye who's the guy who took the concept of stress from physics and brought it into the human realm okay. said that aging is simply the sum total of all the stresses we place on our bodies
0: okay i can i can visualize that clearly i'm a visual person right you know if i can put it into some sort of picture that i can see yeah that makes a lot of sense all right so we need to be resilient right to deal with this this stress that we're allowing ourselves to experience or that sometimes happens to us through no fault of our own Uh, So what are your top three tips to this audience for maybe being more resilient?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I can give you a a whole bunch of them, but the top three would be, the first one is that resilience starts with your relationship with yourself. And the better your relationship with yourself, the more resilient you're going to be. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is that it's so important for a person to be loving and accepting of themselves. Most of the time when I'm working with people who are having stress problems it stems from the fact that they're very hard on themselves, very demanding of themselves. Um, It's okay to be demanding and expect yourself to do really well. But within that context, you also have to be accepting. So you don't want to work hard and say, get a 90% on a test and then put yourself down for the 10% that you didn't get. So that's what I'm talking about. And a lot of people do that too. That's correct. Myself included.
0: I I tend to be hard on myself. An overachiever,
1: right? Right. And we all tend to do that to some to some degree, um, a paper that I wrote, and it's part of my book, I talk about what I call primitive gestalts, and those are the childhood patterns that develop as a result of the environment that we grow up in. And for most of us, one of the consequences is that we do learn to be hard on ourselves, and unforgiving of ourselves and it's very important to come from a more positive loving accepting place so that's the first tip okay the second is that our bodies have two choices our bodies can go into the protective mode or they can go into the healing growth development mode when we're focused on the dangers in our lives, when we're focused on what can go wrong, when we're focused on stresses, we go into the defensive protective mode. We activate our nervous system, and that's okay for a moment for dealing with a stress but what I find is people stay in this mode much too much and therefore they don't give their bodies a chance to recuperate, to recover and to restore all the resources used up during the stressful experiences and so the second tip is that there needs to be a proper balance between these two states and there's only one real way to reestablish this balance, and that's to practice a relaxation exercise on a regular basis. Okay. Think like of med- all like the meditation
0: sti- or something.
1: Okay. Correct. Correct. Think of think of all the stimuli during your day that trigger the stress response. All all during the day, there's the things that activate our nervous system. Mm-hmm. But how many stimuli in your day? trigger the relaxation response the a- opposite almost none mm-hmm. and so we have to make sure we do this on our own because we need a balance between the part of our nervous system that activates to stress and the part of our nervous system that calms the body down for recuperation and healing they need to be in balance right that's the second okay and and the third is that Emotional unfinished business is a major source of, the, of creating stress in our lives. If we have unmet needs, uh, we then engage in the world unconsciously and indirectly to try and fill those needs, but we typically do it in an inappropriate way, like mm. making more money, getting more uh, products, goods conquering more of whatever. Now, in balance, those things are okay, but if it's driven by unmet needs, emotions that haven't been addressed or dealt with, then it creates problems. So, when we don't finish our unfinished business, our emotional unfinished business, we sweep things under the rug, it leads to physical tension, it leads to anxiety, And it leads to a distraction from being in the present. So it's very important to notice feelings that haven't been dealt with and finding a way to address those so you're able to let go.
0: I I was talking to uh, another guest earlier and we were talking about emotional eating. And I assume that that, that's another one of these things that perhaps we do to deal with these. That's right. It fits into that same category that makes sense to me interesting Mm -hmm. okay so so now I'm a little more aware oh I I had another question for you when you were talking about having the time you know we have our our response safety you know what kind of am I in danger that kind of response and we need to have the balance with the the healing the meditation is sleep included in that or sleep different okay so it is
1: Sleep is very, very important because if you think about these two states I talked about, the activation of your nervous system Mm -hmm. and the recovery, coming down that continuum to deeper and deeper places of calm, that's where healing takes place. That's where body maintenance and recovery take place. And sleep is the most important part of our day for achieving that. Okay. So it's very important.
0: So as people get older, though, they often complain that they can't sleep as much as, as we did when we were younger. I know um, I've got three young men, you know, in my home, my, ch- my children, 22, 19, and 16. It's um, not school days right now, so they're staying up to various hours. And if they happen to wake me up, which is easy to do, I can't get back to sleep right away, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't always have control over the hours that I'm able to sleep because other people are interrupting my sleep. Mm-hmm. And, and and there are right. a lot of people, as we get older, I remember having an aunt who, she slept like four hours a night and she said, but that's normal for me. I can't sleep more than that. That's got to be unhealthy.
1: I think it is unhealthy. I think you do need, a, even if as you get older, your body still has certain needs. I think the only reason having perhaps less need for sleep is that we're not quite as active as when we were younger right. but we still need that good quality sleep and again one of the ways to ensure good sleep patterns is number one to practice a relaxation exercise that trains your body to go down to those levels right. Okay, uh, but also one of the things that I encourage in my book is for people to begin identifying what I refer to as zones of safety. Times and places in our lives where we can say, I'm safe. I can totally let down my guard. I don't have to be vigilant because vigilance activates the nervous system. Right. Right. And so I tell people at the end of your day, Make a conscious note that you're no longer engaged in work, and you can let down your guard, and you can. You're going into a zone of safety. And then I said, before you go to sleep, tell yourself again that now you're going into even a deeper zone of safety, where you can let down your guard so much that you can actually fall asleep. Interesting. And so, the more you can. It's tell yourself that you're safe before you go to sleep I suggest that it helps you go to deeper levels of sleep
0: okay interesting now in, term, in terms of resilience right and, and clearly we've, we've hit on a, a lot of subtopics in, in dealing with these tips so me, I'm, and my follow up question you, you still have a lot more that you could talk about but we're limited in our time So what would you identify as the biggest obstacle or concern that boomers have in beginning to be more resilient?
1: Well, I think it comes down to people not being afraid to let go of old patterns. Mm. So um, if a person is hypervigilant – even though that's creating more and unnecessary stress, a person will say to themselves, either consciously or unconsciously, well, this is what got me to where I am today. I'm, I'm afraid to let go of this because who knows what might happen. Right. And I think this is the biggest obstacle is people being afraid to let go of what they feel got them to this point in their lives. And what I like, for let me give you a good example of that: procrastination. A lot of people say to me that when when there's when everything is on the line and it's the last minute, that's when they do their best. Right. And I would say they do their best in spite of that procrastination pattern. That it just appears that way because it's the way they've learned to do it for so long.
0: How do they really know that that was their best?
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Maybe they could have done twice as well if they'd started twice as early. Right. But they'll never know. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh Uh-huh.
0: A lot of people say that, too. You know, it's having that deadline. You know, the chase Mm -hmm. is on. And uh, you got to get to the finish line before the next guy. And that's how, that's how they actually get things done. But that, it does create a tremendous amount of stress. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for people who are listening or watching us Mm -hmm. right now and they're saying, okay, I recognize I have some patterns that have not been too healthy. It's not too late. Right. I may be a boomer, but it's not too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. To learn something new, an old dog can uh, learn new tricks, I have discovered recently. So what would you tell them to do right now, to get up out of their chair, and do right now to start making a difference?
1: Okay. Well, of course, uh, what I I would say is the best thing to do would be to buy my book, because it takes people on a step-by-step process. and. Let, let me just for a moment identify what the nine components of my model are. Okay. I think that would be helpful to your audience. So the nine components fall into three ca- three areas. The first area is relationship. And there's relationship with self, relationship with others, and relationship with something greater. Okay. And within relationship with something greater, there's purpose, spirituality and giving service. In the next area it's organismic balance and mastery. And within that there's physical balance and mastery, mental or thinking balance and mastery, and emotional balance and mastery. And then in the last in the last area which is process how we engage in the world, there's presence, flexibility, and the last one is power and i identify i define power as the ability to get things done so that's oh. that's my model
0: okay it, so, it makes a lot of sense
1: yeah so one of the other things that a, a, that your listeners can do is on my website i have what i call the resilience challenge there are nine questions that they can take and answer and then it gives them a sense of where they are in terms of their level of resilience. And that would be a great start. Also on my website, I have a free audio download of a relaxation exercise so they can get that as well.
0: Like a uh, guided meditation kind of thing? I love yes. Those. And if, you, right. if you've never done a guided meditation, they're absolutely fabulous. You know, somebody, you know, verbally in, in a a uh, mp3 you know in a auditory way sort of walks you through relaxing mm-hmm. and it really does work it, it they're terrific exercises i love doing them so my next question was how how can listeners get in touch with you you mentioned your website would you tell us the address certainly. of certainly
1: right it's Dr. com. that's d-r-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-s-i-d-e-r-o-f-f Okay. The other way is they can send me an email, and my email address is sideroff at ucla.edu. So right. those are two good ways to connect.
0: And if, if you're listening, as always, when you come back to Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast, which I know, I apologize, it's a very long URL, you can take the shortcut, thebugpodcast.com, because uh, internally we always call Boomer's Ultimate Guide Bug here, around here um, the bug You can look up Dr. Steven, right? Look up words like resilience or Steven with the pH, right? And this yes. particular episode will come up and you will be able to find these links in case you weren't able to write them down. We'll have his email address and his website so you can find it. It would be fun to go take that, that little quiz or, or test, uh, to mm-hmm. find out uh, where you're at. On the scale right now, what what kind of work do you have to do? So and
1: wherever you're and wherever you're at, it's important to be accepting of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're so and not put yourself down. Yeah, Uh, I don't I don't know if it's generational to us. I I hadn't really thought about the competition thing, Um, Mm -hmm. but wow, that's really true. When I envision uh, boomers on the continuum of you know the world and how we tend to categorize different generations so that we can, you know, keep track of, of our world and the people in it. I always sort of see, you know, how when a snake first eats whatever that thing is it ate is really big inside of its skinny little body and it just sort of travels right. down. That's the way I envision the the boomer generation, we were the first big bulge that occurred throughout, you know, mankind's existence. You know, that was the Mm -hmm. first time anyone had seen it. And imagine what a great impact that has on everything, on absolutely everything. And why it never occurred to me that, including competition, the fact that there were more people applying to college and applying for jobs. And I hear millennials, because all three of my sons are millennials. uh, And I've heard older millennials complain about the fact that boomers don't want to retire, so they're still in the workforce, you know, and we're still this large group, and the next large group, they might even be bigger than us, the millennials, they can't Uh move up because nobody's moving (laughs) out, you know, so we've got, we've got these problems.
1: Yeah, Um, and I think every generation has, every generation has its burden and has its pluses and minuses.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly, and only uh, hindsight, you know, can tell us whether we reacted well, you know, whether we did all the right things or not, and, and that, that's going to be true of the millennials, too, as we watch them move forward. So right. before I let you go, would you like to share an inspirational quote or, or story with us?
1: I will give you a quote that really highlights my fifth component of my fifth pillar of resilience, which is thinking, mastery. Uh, being able to think and, and your mental approach, that's the best approach possible. And it's a quote from Henry Ford, who said, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you are right. That's a great and the whole no, And the whole notion there, you know, resilience is about physical balance and mastery, emotional balance and mastery, but it is also guided by our thinking. So the results of life and whether you are happy or miserable to a great extent has to do with where you place your focus and what your belief is. Mm -hmm. And so I suggest that people always look to what's possible rather than what's difficult and to always look to a situation as being a challenge rather than being a problem. So you want to approach a situation with the best possible mental attitude, which literally can change how your brain functions.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is, And you use the word literally. This isn't a figurative thing. And it's not a woo-woo, you know, think good thoughts and good things happen. There's science behind the fact that whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Your brain... Yes. Talks you into your reality sometimes instead Mm -hmm. of the other way around. Yes.
1: Right. And in my book, I actually go into a lot of the science behind neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. and how we can literally change how our brain and behavior function. And if I can just have one more moment to, to tell you, one of the things that I talk about in my book is the evolutionary mismatch that we are dealing with today. And by that I mean we still carry the survival mechanisms of our hunter-gatherer ancestors of 20, 30, 50,000 years ago, and yet the stresses that we encounter do not require fight or flight, Mm -hmm. but our body always mobilizes for fight or flight. And so it's incumbent on us, to learn a different type of, and and because of neuroplasticity, as I point out in my book, we can literally redesign our stress response, and I go through a process to teach people how to do this based on how peak performers uh, have done it in the past, okay. Okay. which okay. is a calm focus. So you maintain the the activating components that you need to deal with the problems that we have today, but you don't have to tense up your whole body and elevate to the same degree. And so we can actually learn to redesign our stress response.
0: Right. People, you have got to go get this book. I'm going to mention the title one more time before I let you go. You've been uh, listening to Dr. Steven Sidoroff, and he is the author of The Path mastering the nine pillars of resilience and success and like i said i'll have the links on this particular uh episode you know every tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m eastern time we release another episode of boomers ultimate guide podcast with great guests like dr Stephen, who can help you build a uh, well, I help people build thriving businesses but people like dr steven help you live vibrant lives and that's what it's all about in the end so, Dr. Steven Sitteroff, thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: It's been my pleasure. Thank you.
0: It was great meeting you. And those of you out there, until next time, I would very much like you to take care. Boom, baby. That's it for now. See you next time on Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast.